Welcome to Earth Matters, environmental and social justice stories from Australia and around the world. Produced at the studios of 3CR on Wurundjeri Country in Melbourne and broadcast across this continent via the Community Radio Network. I'm Tisha Nahern. You might have heard of the espionage and foreign interference bills that the federal government is trying to get passed by Parliament. The Coalition has touted these proposed new laws as being essential for national security. But they have alarmed many environmental, human rights and aid organisations. The laws look likely to criminalise many forms of direct action protest and further curtail our rights to political communication and information. Cam Walker from Friends of the Earth explains. There's three sets of legislation. The first one that was brought forward related to foreign donations and that has now uh, gone back for redrafting following a real outcry from the charity sector but more broadly also from business uh, they were very concerned about how that would play out. So the ones that are in focus at present are the foreign influence transparency legislation and the espionage bill and foreign interference legislation which is also being called the national security legislation. And both of these are expected to come up into federal parliament this week. Uh, The government is very keen on seeing them passed as quickly as possible. And charities are concerned about probably three key things. One is uh, the definition of national security. The other one is the question of whether peaceful protests will be criminalised and a fear that it will, in effect, limit civil liberties here in Australia. Now, the... The term national security is is a very potent one and it's perhaps uh, not surprising that the government has chosen to frame this all within the framework of national security and using terms like espionage. And on the surface, people might think, well, we're concerned about Australia's national security, whatever that might be. But let's unpack that a bit. What is it specifically that green groups such as Friends of the Earth are concerned? What type of campaigning? and actions and speech could be caught up within within these bills? Yes, we certainly understand the need to modernise the laws that Australia has that protects us from foreign influence, and it is something that any sensible federal government would be looking into. So we understand the need to reform the legislation. The thing that concerns us is the fact that charities are being included in both of these bills uh, specifically, We have to see this in the context of a very long-running campaign by the ultra-conservatives in the coalition and also aided and abetted by groups like the Institute of Public Affairs, which is long argued against green groups having tax status at all and some within the fossil fuel sector. So we have to see it in a deeper context. We've had a whole series of attempts to rein in our power and our tax status in recent years. So with that context, when we look through that lens of this legislation, we see kind of three key things that concern us as charities. The first one is the fact that often charities, uh, that is not-for-profits, organisations like Amnesty International or Greenpeace or Friends of the Earth, when the federal government is intransigent or negligent in looking after, say, human rights or the environment, we go to international forums such as the United Nations to talk about what is happening. Now, this type of activity could be caught up in the legislation. So that's the first one that's really worrying. There are also some concerns about whether whistleblowers in government would also be caught in this 
inflation. So that's that's kind of the, the first key one. The second one is just generally the definition of national security is far too broad. So they're not just talking about political or military uh, security. They're now talking about economic relations and the concept of trust. So if an environmental group, again, criticises Australia for its track record on climate, that could be deemed to be impacting on the trust that, say, another country has with us and therefore be captured under the national security legislation. And we think that that's, that's just absurd. You know, it, it's ideal, ideological overreach uh, taken to a new level. And the third thing that's very worrying is that it will criminalise many forms of peaceful protest. Um, what it, the legislation does is itemise what's called critical infrastructure, which includes things like coal uh, mines and coal-fired power stations. And the simple act of doing a peaceful protest, sitting down on a road, for instance, to block access to a coal-fired power station, could again be caught up in this legislation and could be subject to up to 20 years in jail. Uh, so we're, you know, our perspective is that this is really draconian. It's unnecessary. There's already laws to deal with civil disobedience uh, that are in place. And there should be no way that not-for-profits and civil society organisations are brought under the umbrella of these pieces of legislation, which are clearly about politics, uh, more so than good public policy. So in that case, if we have a look at some of the active environmental campaigns uh, around the country at the moment and, and some of the most significant ones of recent years, they involve things like uh, active blockades of... Um, uh, sites to develop uh, mines and uh, uh, using direct action to shut down coal-fired power stations, direct action to shut down things like the Newcastle coal port and others. So it sounds like what you've described covers almost all of the types of active environment campaigns that we've been seeing in the last few years. Absolutely. And if you go back through time, of course, the Franklin River campaign or the campaign against the Jabaluka uranium mine, peaceful civil disobedience has been an essential part of achieving meaningful and really significant outcomes for the environment. And the federal government says, oh, look, don't worry, the Attorney General will have discretion about whether their laws would apply to protesters or community members engaging in protests. And we would uh, counter by saying, well, if you're not going to, you know, if you've got discretion, if you're not going to bring us into the frame, then why have us in the legislation? A really simple solution to this is to modernise the foreign interference laws and the espionage laws and just take charities and civil society out of it. And the fact that the government is unwilling to do so speaks volumes about what their real intention is here in terms of the political agenda of including charities in, um, as you pointed out earlier, a very emotive and kind of fear-ridden narrative around foreign influence and sabotage and espionage and the impacts on the Australian politics and also the Australian economy. Now, these bills are coming into the federal parliament this coming week, as you've noted. Is it just Friends of the Earth who are concerned about this, or are there other groups? And what, what is Friends of the Earth and, and other groups doing about it? 
I don't think I've ever seen such a broad alliance of charities working together as is happening at present. There is an umbrella group called Hands Off Our Charities and you can find uh, the website very easily through an internet search. And when you go there, you'll find a form letter that you can send off to your local MP and to the head of the ALP and the head of the coalition saying, I do not support an attack on charities and civil society. It would be great if people would do that as a matter of urgency because the legislation will appear in Parliament or at this point we expect will uh, appear in Parliament this week. Uh, and it is everyone from social justice organisations, it's aid and development organisations, it's faith communities. It really is a very broad alliance of groups um, that are engaged in this campaign. And at one point it was well over 100 organisations signed on to the initial uh, letter of concern regarding the legislation. So it's very broad-based. We know there are at least several million Australians represented in the groups that are active in this campaign. And it's clear from the polling that has been done that when people understand what's going on with this legislation, they understand that it is clearly ideological overreach by the government. Now, the government has blinked to a degree on the foreign donations legislation, and we think that with sufficient action now from enough people, they'll be forced to blink on both the foreign influence transparency and the espionage bill and uh, basically withdraw these bits of legislation in the current form and redraft them. And so we're really urging people to take action, not next week, but please do it now. Jump online and sign that letter. Cam Walker from Friends of the Earth. You're listening to Earth Matters, environmental justice stories on the Community Radio Network. This May marked 20 years since the resignation of President Suharto, whose 31-year dictatorship was characterised by bloody repression and state-sanctioned mass murder. But now, in the post-Suharto era, human rights and political freedoms are at an all-time low. Earlier this year, we brought you the story of Budipego, a prominent activist in East Java who was sentenced to 10 months in prison for displaying a communist logo on a protest banner. Well, on the 1st of May, 
69 people were arrested in Jogjakarta, in central Java, on charges relating to the burning of a police station during May Day protests. A week later, a further four people were arrested in Bogor, in western Java, in connection with the protests. The May Day protests covered a number of issues, including the lack of democracy in Jogjakarta and large development projects, including a proposed new airport in the agricultural region of Kulomprogo, to the south of the city. Croft, from 3CR's Global Intifada program, brings us the story. I'm talking on the phone here with uh, Vereira, who's living in Jogjakarta at the moment. Um, would you be able to let people know exactly what was happening on May Day? What, oh, okay. what led to people getting arrested on that day? Uh-huh. Uh, I was talking about what's going on on May Day in Jogjakarta. Yeah. The accident in Jogjakarta on May Day has been erased around 69 participants because they, maybe uh, not, not they, but us burned the police station in Jogjakarta and from the 69 were erased and only 12 have been declared suspect and e-commerce are still detained by regional police. And a future four commerce were taken into custody, custody and now are released on condition of reporting to police on May 7th. More arrests took place again for friends in Bogor, another place, not in Jogjakarta. According to the police testimony, they have been monitoring the commerce since, since the day of the incident that eventually led to the pursuit and arrest in Bogor. So the police so, arrested a lot of people? They arrested 69 people during the demonstration? And then they, yeah, 69. They, released, they released most of these people, but since that day they've continued to surveil and to search and arrest more people in connection with what mm-hmm. happened. That sounds like a, quite a stressful situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but why do you think the police are targeting people for, you know, why are they making so much effort just for this one incident that happened? Actually, in Indonesia, every almost every day, Every demonstration has always clashed with the police, okay. and even even physical and destruction of demonstrant controversy as happening in the another province from Ntt. Uh-huh. One man was shot and later died, just trying to defend their lands to be. Confiscated from the um, from the state, and what actually happened back to the May Day on Jogjakarta? Actually, the citizen being provocated from the police that we called in Indonesia uh-huh. Intel, uh huh, police who are not uh, wearing uniform, non-uniform. 
do you get what I mean? The, the plain clothes police, yeah? Uh-huh. In Indonesia, we call it intel. Uh-huh. They provocate um, the citizen to have uh, to attack and beat us as the demonstrant. So the police were provoking people who were at the demonstration to attack mm-hmm. them as an mm-hmm. excuse to arrest people and to continue to search for more people in yes. connection. Yeah. To Mayday in Jakarta yep. was one way to us to overflow our emotion because it had been too long neglected by the Sultan as governor in Yogyakarta based on the case of the new Yogyakarta International Airport. Do you ever hear about the case? Yeah, so this is connected with the May Day protest actually is wanting to build yes. the airport. Yes, okay. Yes, that's yeah. actually what will, uh, what's the purpose we destroying state facility and creating noise Noises, its hopes can disrupt regional stability and influence investor decision to invest in Jogja. Mm-hmm. Because, mm-hmm, because I am not, or we are not just talking about NIA, New Yogyakarta International Airport, yeah. but many, many other things in the future. With the construction of the airport in the current program area, can you ever imagine? Kulon Progo is not a big city or capital city. It's like a village and that most of people working as a farmers will switch profession, I think, because the agricultural land is used to build airport and they are given some money and the money they maybe maybe they will buy house or cars and after the money is run out and the land is not being their lands and what will they do yeah. for the next like that and it's not just about the airport though what to but the Walkland progress situation, I think, with the airport will definitely be followed by, by other developments. Mm-hmm. Clon progress yeah, phase will turn into the dense urban-like city and uh, so many other construction and development, I mean, in the future. Mm-hmm. That's not really good and sound bad. So I'm not only telling the story about of the airport, but all the land is seized anywhere under the pretext of development. When there is an omission in this there, there will always be a similar event in the future, maybe. Yeah. So this is all connected. So people who are struggling against the airport, they were the same people that were making the demonstration on May Day. And now the police mm-hmm. are trying to pull apart the movement of people who are struggling against the airport by arresting people and making everybody too scared for demonstrations. Yes, that's what's happened on the moment. Uh, the police 
provocated the citizen around the place and they take us to the uh, university uh, campus building because we do we did the demonstration in front of the university building mm. and after that many of my friends has been beaten and that's not really good mm. so after that on the on the day one 69 uh, participant of demonstrant uh, arrested it and after that two days they has been free and only 12 people still in the police station and are, and they, are they going to be having prison time or what's happening are they having a, a, a criminal trial about this or? yeah if if you ever reading the article about brian valentino mm-hmm. one of our uh, friend in the committee he is not mm, get the legal counseling after we push the police by so many uh, articles and we going to the legal aid office mm-hmm. and now he already get the legal counseling and one of the advocate who come at the police station on the May Day, day one, has been beaten from the police wow, because crazy. Ah, crazy. And there is no uh, really good reasons because he, he came to the police station because he want to accompany the participants and he has text from the one of the participant who been arrested at the May Day mm. and uh, he he showed text to the police and the police don't want to care about that so corpse are really crazy to the all the participants of every demonstrant yeah. in Indonesia. Definitely sounds like that. I think we're running out of time, Verera. Um, would you like to let people who are listening to the show know how they can support, um, how they can send support back to Zogdukata and to people who are um, in the struggle at the moment? Is there a website that they can look at? or uh, Maybe to check what's going on or the update about anarchist news in Yogyakarta mm-hmm. you can follow in Instagram yeah. the yeah the account Talang Hitam Indonesia and that was Ferreira from Yogyakarta Indonesia we'll post links to the latest information and ways you can support with the podcast of this program you've been listening to Earth Matters Community Radio's National Environmental Justice Program. I'm Tisha Nahern. The song featured on today's show is Genjer Genjer, a contemporary adaptation by musicians Philistine and Nova Ruth 
of the folk song which was used as a rallying theme for the Indonesian Communist Party. When Suharto took power, the songwriter was killed and the song banned. But it remains a potent anthem of political freedom and the fight for justice in Indonesia. If you missed any of today's show, you can find our podcasts at 3cr.org.au forward slash earthmatters. Earth Matters would like to thank the Community Broadcasting Foundation for their financial support and the Community Radio Network for getting the program out to you. Earth Matters is produced in the studios of 3CR in Melbourne on Wurundjeri Country. If you'd like to get in contact, you can send us an email at earthmatters3cr at gmail.com or go to our Facebook page. I hope you can tune in next time for more Earth Matters.